1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. has got
3: the better of it, and he looks to get the better of Spyco.
1: Arsenal put forth Europa League performance befitting of the competition itself. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Uh, I am recording from an undisclosed location, but uh, it's a hotel room in Toronto. I'm recording on an undisclosed device. It is a MacBook. I'm using an undisclosed microphone. Uh, it is the iPhone headset. So, uh, yeah, it's not going to be my finest, but we're going to get through it. I am here with people who uh, will carry the day. One of them is Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Hello, indeed. And Clive's on Twitter at ClivePAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Scott, our resident stats expert, will be on with not the most statsy stats segment ever, but that's okay. He'll be here. Um, Paul will not be here because he's on a third viewing of the Red Star Belgrade game because it was scintillating. Uh, No, uh, okay, so Tim... It happened. I mean, once again, I think we can confirm it happened. Uh, A nil-nil draw, to be fair, it does get us through to the next round, and I think you'd have to say we're going to top the group, which you're probably going to want to do, given some of the teams that will be parachuting into the competition, although I have to admit I have absolutely no idea what happens in the next stage of the competition or how we're paired (laughs) with opponents, so it really doesn't matter. Um, I guess the first thing I wanted to ask from you is just the very basics of going with this setup. Again, mm. none of us on this pod are going to disagree he was right to rotate, so I don't mean the rotation mm. itself. But are you getting tired of him sticking with this group set up this way when it seems pretty clear that it's just not the right set of players to try approaching it with the system?
3: Um, I, I kind of see it both ways, to be honest. I, I don't think it's the best setup. Um, then again, you are kind of left with the, well, if we went to a back four, who on earth would play at left back? So I don't, I don't think that going to a back four necessarily solves that. I think for some players it's very, very useful. I think, um, for example, Matthew Debushi, who Wenger says he now sees as a centre-half, uh, certainly much more than a wing-back, and um, in a back three that makes some sense. Um, a bit like kind of Nacho Monreal did. So for him, you know, quite useful. For Rob Holding, useful because he's on the fringes of the first team. So a lot of these players on the fringes, it's kind of useful. Even Theo Walcott, although I, I don't think he really has it in him to adapt to this formation. Um, if he's going to be of any use to us, he he really has to learn it. He really has to kind of get to grips with it. Um, like I said, I don't think he can or will, but Um, at least we kind of know that beyond doubt and that we don't have to rotate him in for Premier League (laughs) games. He also said he sees Jack Wilshere in the front three, which I think is interesting. I think that's right. I don't think Jack Wilshere has the legs to play in central midfield. Uh, Certainly not at the moment. He he may find them again, but um, it's not there at the moment. So um, I don't think he can, although I I felt he was far wider than he needed to be um, in this game. So, was this you know, was I, this a
1: step back for him in your opinion from the performance he put forth uh, at Red Star?
3: Um, a little bit. Although I thought that performance was really was quite overplayed. Not really overplayed. Was quite overplayed. He was pretty quiet for large parts of that game, but he showed two or three flashes of quality, uh, most notably leading up to the goal. I, I think the thing is with Jack, we're, we're also desperate for him to be the savior. Um, that what happens is people kind of overplay his contribution, and that creates a natural backlash. And so people come out with, "Oh, well, he's finished and he's rubbish," and and, and neither of those things are true at the moment. I don't think. I think we have to wait a little while to see uh, which way his Arsenal career is going to go from here. But well, I don't. I don't know if you heard on a previous
1: pod, but Clive is holding out for a hero. <laughs> so he needs a hero uh,
3: till the end of the night. And- and and yeah maybe may, maybe it is it it doesn't really suit them but i'm not sure this collection of players really can be put into like chiselled into we still have we still have the same weak spots at full whether it's fullback back or wing back um and again i i think really we just have to get past the idea that we're doing this for the benefit of the second string we're not we're doing it for the benefit of the first team so really, as awful and as eye-bleeding as this was to to sit through, um, we got through the group, and none of the players that played at Man City are, uh, that are going to play at Man City, um, they've all had the night off, and City played away in Napoli. They've had the travelling, they had you know a hard, intense game against a really good team. We, you know, I'm not saying that's going to be enough for us to beat Man City, but we've put ourselves in the best possible position. We've given ourselves a slight competitive advantage, and we need every single angle we can get. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was tough to watch. It was a bit boring um, for some of those players. You know, they're they're not playing in positions where they can show their best, but that that's not what it's about. What it's about is that we've gone through the group and we haven't had to lay a finger on any of our star players, and that that would have been the objective at the beginning. I
1: mean the eye-watering quality of this competition so far. I, it just—it's astounding to me that a team that, you know, has struggled to survive lower division opposition in the Carabao Cup is mm. just sauntering
3: its way through a European competition. So and, far. and one, sorry, one really final quick thought. One thing that that really baffled me in the last twenty minutes was why Red Star was so pleased with the draw. It doesn't do a lot for them in the group, and I thought that we were there for the taking and they created chances and yeah no, not only were they settling on the draw but they were you know doing all this time wasting and these histrionics and I was just thinking that this is your time you're wasting not yeah. really ours. So yeah I, I don't get I don't I mean, get why they did that. In
1: a worst case scenario where we drop the points there, we just have to try a little bit in one of the next two games. <laughs> like yeah. not not the worst thing in the world. Um I'll come over to you in a second Clyde but just one last quick thing for you Tim I think we agree that getting our first team as much rest as possible is an important uh, objective going into a very busy period in November and December. Is it maybe are we on to something here with resting them and you rest them again and actually don't bring any players to City and take the 3-0, right? I mean, because that's what you get for a forfeit, right, is 3-0. I mean, we can come on to that when we do yeah. our city preview, but I think we should at least explore the possibility that 3-0 forfeit might be might be the way to go. Um, I, yeah, I think
3: we'll give them a game, but there we go. Well, well we're to coming
1: that. to that, Tim. Don't <laughs> don't blow your load yet. Um, uh, okay, so, Clive, we'll get to the ugly, because there's a lot of it, uh, and not just your humble host. But the, the good of this, I think, are two things. Matt Macy and Rob Holding... Both kind of impressed me. I thought Holding was good with the ball. He carried it forward confidently. He showed a good burst, a little more composed. And he's been a player who has looked a little ragged when he's been playing. Um, and Macy made some big stops, uh, came out of his goal quickly to get into good positions, brilliantly tapped one onto the bar. For you, when it's when there's so much focus on the crapness of Theo or Zerud or, or Coughlin, for that matter, or the exciting young attacking talents that we're looking for, like like Nelson, do you think that the real stars of the show are Macy and Holding?
2: Yeah, they were among a few things. I mean, I think, for me, I've seen Giroux, Coquelin, and Walcott for many years. And I think I've seen all of their moves, all of their tricks, all of their reincarnations. Um, and so... I am world's shortest youtube clip looking at them when i'm watching these <laughs> games yeah i've seen enough right so i'm look, so i'm looking at the younger ones and seeing where they're improving and so you're looking at say Maitland-Niles, for example i mean he's a a cool dude player sometimes he lacks a bit of intensity the ball come nears him where it's expected to, to puts the work in and he and he flies and like, like a like a bully out of a gun you think where's that been and so you think, well, he's got potential if he can get his intensity levels up and be more proactive. You look at, say, Willock. You know, he looked quite calm. He just he signed a new deal. Team. He just signed a new deal. Yeah. So we're not we're not going to lose three Willocks. We're just going to lose the two Willocks and keep the last one, right? So, um, and so basically, he looks quite calm. He he looks he looks like he's improving physically. He's getting a little bit quicker, but there's there's more to come. He's got the basis of a good set of the midfielder, but. He runs out of Steve more an hour, no problem there. And then, but I did, I did think that Nelson and maitland knowles they lasted well. They really did show up late in the game, which they hadn't done previously. They sort of faded away. So that's a plus that the manager will take away. The goalkeeper Matt Macy. Actually, I, I live near a town called Luton, and um, he was on loan there um, last year. And so I did catch him a couple of times. He was very, very good. And he had to come back to Arsenal and it cost Luton it probably cost him places in the league so that was an issue and he's and he's he, I don't know how I haven't seen him you know this year at Arsenal but he's a massive presence he's 6 foot 6 I believe and he's only 22, 23 so he's a really massive athletic presence really good physique on him I thought he I, I felt I felt calm when I watch him I don't feel I don't feel nervous. Um, If he improves his kicking, I think there's a future for him. We'll see how far he goes.
1: So just so so I can remember his name, um, because sometimes it's easier to identify players by their sort of physical attributes, do you think on the back of his shirt, instead of writing Macy, we could just write not Ospina?
2: Yeah, that that'll work. He's probably he's probably worth <laughs> two Ospina's in size. All right, Ospina I mean, X really two. How about that? <laughs> yeah, he's really it's a fantastic presence, right? And so, um, so that's a good start for him. And it's a big level jump, and he and he didn't look too bad. He was a little bit nervy to start, but he looked. He made a great save. But Holding's the one that I'm really interested in, and because I think he's reached a height, but I also think he's reached some pretty low lows. And he uh, started very well. Obviously, we all know what happened in the cup <laughs> final. But at the start of this season, he was really struggling. You know, um, my, my my eyes started to get a bit worried about him. There's a preseason picture of him and Callan Chambers doing a sprint together, and they were equal. <laughs> I thought mm, this is a bit worrying because I always think Chambers is slow, and I hadn't noticed his, I hadn't noticed holding space. And um, or lack to off. be
1: fair, just real quick, is it possible mm. we think of Chambers as slow because we've seen him play fullback, where speed is so much more important, yeah. whereas holding at centre back. You know, or even chambers at centre back for that matter, you that same speed might not be considered as slow.
2: You're absolutely right. Spawn. And I think and that's why I think both of them are, are excellent centre backs in the three. But what I've noticed about holding lately is how he's trying to recover from his um from his low and and he's really focusing on aggression. You know he's really focusing on on really smashing people early and really being physically in contact. And I think he's trying to he's trying to fight his way out of the out of the lotus he's trying to fight his way out of it and i really like that that tells you something about his mentality backing up your claim
1: there by the way uh clive as i cut across you again uh in scott's section coming up later you'll hear that he uh won an incredible percentage of his aerial duels um and and a lot of aerial duels in the game so that sort of supports your argument about his battling nature or, or battling approach to recovering his form
2: yeah, he's he's gone no-nonsense, and he, he's looking like a left centre-half now that can receive it on his left foot. You know, a lovely volleyed receiver on his left foot in the game. He can receive it on his right foot. He's got dink passes on both feet, and he's just saying, well, you know what? I'm not quick going backwards, so I'm going to make sure when I go forwards, I'm going to leave dead bodies on the floor. And that's what he's doing, and we had, there was an England national called John Terry that did something very, very similar in his career. Didn't like going backwards, so he defended deep on the left-hand side of a back four. Um, He made sure he never had a left-back more than 10 feet away from him in Aspilicueta or Ashley Cole, depending on what era. And he defended that slot brilliantly. And if you extrapolate forward with um, holding, there's a potential there to be that type of centre-half. And so I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, well, you could develop into a back four, centre half, the dominant one, the one that goes for the first ball, the one that's really physical, the one that really is tenacious. And then people will recover around you, much like John Terry at, um, at Chelsea. So just extrapolating forward a couple of years, that's where he needs to develop, physically improve his upper body, really up, improve his power. And in a couple of years' time, we could have a real player there, that's someone that's been up and down. But as he had come through it and gone through, I mean, uh, Tim, we, we all know there's so many dead bodies in the halves that Wenger's system has, has killed. <laughs> I'm hoping this kid isn't one, another one, right? And I, I've got a funny thing he won't be, and I'm, I'm really hopeful for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be, look, it's easy to kick these guys when they're down, but for these young players, it takes a lot of internal fortitude, especially for defenders whose errors are so noticeable, to pick themselves back up. And I thought this was a good step in the right direction Um, for holding. I think Macy's in an interesting position because Czech is probably done any day now. I mean, he can't be sticking around too much longer, and I just got to believe that Arson or whoever's next will not be turning the keys over to Ospina. So you wonder if Macy's putting himself in the conversation to just be the guy. Um, It'll certainly be interesting to see. Uh, Tim, the player that catches the eye in these games the most, I'm not saying he's necessarily the best, but he's certainly catching the eye, is Reese Nelson. Mm. Um. So I want to quickly get your thoughts on Reese Nelson and then ask you a question about him in terms of just the style of players we develop. But just overall, uh, are you impressed and were you impressed with with Nelson in this game?
3: Yeah, yeah, I was. Again, I I think it's the the same as uh, kind of the other performances he's put in. Obviously, he's not playing quite in his optimal position, but, um, you know, hopefully he's kind of learning something there anyway. But at the same time, you know, he's not getting killed by anyone. He's not... You know, you don't feel like, again, we're not facing teams that are, you know, really coming at us, but you don't feel like he's a defensive liability there at all. Um, You know, maybe a a couple of times a little bit out of position, but you'd expect that from a 17 year old who was a right back or right wing back. So I'm kind of, I'm quite impressed by his maturity. Um, A a little bit the same as Willock, actually. I, I do think there's something to be said for a 17 year old coming in. And just doing seven out of ten performances, I, th- I think that's fine. I think that kind of shows that um, he's not kind of um, cowed by it, that he, you know, that he belongs at that level. Like no one seems afraid to give him the ball or anything like that. Um, obviously, he's, he's not quite able to show his best um, at the moment. Whereas if he perhaps moved into the role that Theo Walcott's playing, we might get a better idea. But. Um, yeah, I, I have been quietly impressed. You know, he's he's not pulling any trees up, but he doesn't look out of place. And for a 17-year-old um, playing out of position, I, I think there's a lot to be said for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, so then here's a the question. I mean, he tries a lot of dribbles. Not many of them came off for him. But he does make these sort of barnstorming runs up the pitch. He's he's fast, he's powerful, he can get by a guy. But I just can't help but see a little flash of the oxlade Chamberlains about him. And, mm. and so my question to you is, like, What does it take, or what's missing, or what's the reason for these players, these young players we have, these seemingly physically talented players developing, but struggling with that final ball around the area? Because we saw Nelson get into a lot of good advanced areas, and Maitland-Niles did it as well, actually, where there were four-on-ones and four-on-twos, or not four-on-ones, but four-on-twos and three-on-twos and three-on-ones, where the end result was just kind of running down a blind alley or running into the defender. Is that... Is that the hardest part of football in your mind, or is there something wrong yeah. with our academy or what what is it? because we even see it in the first team, I think to some extent, but was was that yeah, the yeah. most disappointing thing for you that 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 the decision making at the end of these moves is still really far off where it needs to be?
3: I think I think Austin uh, I, I said something like uh, a player doesn't really properly develop a final product so they're about twenty three. Um, if you go back and look at the stats of Cesc Fabregas' first two seasons in the first team at Arsenal, it's all single figures. Um, you could see that there was something there. But um, go back and look at his figures for, I think, the 2005-06 season, his second season. Um, I think he had about three goals and about four assists or something, which which is crazy because you don't associate that with Fabregas. but. It took him some time to really develop that that final killer ball, and I think that's that's just quite normal in players. I mean, we were talking about Hector Bellerin on the last pod, and he's, you know, he's he's a he is an exceptional young player. He came in and you know really took to it all straight away, and he still hasn't quite developed that yet. But you you have the sense that he's getting there. I think also we we've got to be careful not to you know, like the the chamberlain um comparison is totally valid you know you sometimes you squint and um uh, were it not for the afro uh the, the slightly different hairstyle like you can see chamberlain he's built the same he kind of plays the same but i think we should be careful not to create a kind of false equivalency and therefore see alex oxlade chamberlain in him and also alex oxlade chamberlain had a lot of very useful qualities um that that particularly for Arsenal were very useful because we Dribbles. don't have many players like that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. And actually we don't have many of them at the moment, which is where I think a player like Reese Nelson can can really create a niche because we we don't have guys that power past full backs and get to the byline and put good crosses in. Um, Chamberlain, I thought for I, I thought for a while I really hoped that Chamberlain could be that guy that could kind of mix things up a bit for us. But he didn't quite develop the decision-making final product in the end. And I think um, the presence of Alexis kind of, you know, he made that niche his own. Um, but Reece Nelson is not going to have to deal with Alexis being ahead of him <coughs> no. for much longer. Um, so I, I'm, I'm perfectly relaxed about that. I, I wouldn't expect his final products to reach, you know, those kind of levels for another few years. Even, you know, if and when he breaks into the first team and he's a fixture, I wouldn't quite expect it even then, um, to be honest. So I, I think at the moment, the important thing is kind of taking up the positions and being positive and, and you know, being, um, being comfortable as well. And I see those things in him. And I think if you stick at it long enough, well, not every player. Well, like we said, like Chamberlain never quite developed it. I don't think Walcott's ever quite developed it either, that kind of. Uh, lethal, consistent end product. But, um, you know, he's, he's, I think he's got some years to go before he can really, before we really have to worry about that.
1: Yeah. And look, I mean, the reason I bring it up in part is this is a conversation we've had. And Tim, something you've talked about a lot is that while we get a lot of counter chances in right. some games and we think of ourselves as a counter attacking team in some ways, we're not very good on the counter attack. <laughs> mm. um, and, and a lot of that is final product. And the, beyond Ozo, Alexis, and Lacazette, you know, whether it's been Gibbs down the years who's gotten into good positions on the left flank but never delivered the ball, or Oxley chamberlain or even Hector Bellerin to some extent. Um, Iwobi, who we talked about recently is you know, having a lot of good qualities but maybe not having the final ball. Uh, now with Nelson and Maitland-Niles, we're seeing it a little bit, and I just think that's something I'm looking for is a young player who comes into the team and more than his physical attributes demonstrates that – that calmness in the final third because we're going to need those players. Right. I mean, in a way I, you know, I think that is the quality that we most need and can be hardest to find. Um, And so it will be interesting to see where we find that, whether it's in the transfer market or developing some of these young talented players. Um, Let let me do this. What was that?
3: Or
2: coaching.
1: Well, I I mean, I don't think we have to worry about coaching at least for another year. So um, (laughs) (coughs) let's pretend I just cracked my knuckles And Tim, Francis Coughlin, Mm. bad central midfielder or (laughs) the worst central midfielder?
3: (laughs) Yeah, it it was it was another really, really disappointing performance um, from him. And, you know, you can perhaps cut him some slack because he's had injury problems really Going back uh, right into last season, he's been in and out of the team. But I think basically what we've seen is a player who had a very specific purpose for a very short amount of time, and it's expired. Um, quite frankly, even when he was in that partnership with Casola, you know, you always had the impression it was eighty percent Casola. And you know that it, you know that piece kind of-, of
1: skin that's now grafted onto
3: Kazorla's ankle yeah. I'm
1: convinced that's actually Francis Coughlin.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean it's a bit like um even during that period when don't get me wrong I'm I'm not I don't want to rewrite history he was very important for us in that period but I did always kind of think to myself I think we even had this discussion who, who would go for him on an open market at the moment? Freiburg, um, <laughs> pro- yeah, probably, probably mid-table Premier League teams, and yeah, I mean, maybe it's a bit harsh on him because he's been so in and out and doesn't have. And you know, we we give other players a little bit of slack when they don't have complementary partners. We say it about Jacko, we say it about Ramsey, we said it about a lot of players. You know, oh, he doesn't have the players to cover, um, you know, to cover his his kind of flaws. I, th- I think the issue with Coquelin is. He's gone back so when he first broke into the team, Wenger said something like, you know, he'd convinced himself that he's a box to box midfielder and he's not, and he he realised what he's good at, which is tackling and, and winning the ball back. It feels like he's regressed again back into that period where he thinks he can put his foot on the ball and spray it around and do stepovers and it's just like you you can't do that. You're <laughs> not good enough to do that. Stop. No, seriously, stop trying to do that now. Like, well, you and, kick and the ball out of place several times now. Stop it. <laughs> Isn't it true also? Um, I mean, yeah. when a player is limited and has limited ability, <clears throat> and,
1: and Clive, I'll, I'll turn this over to you. I mean, when a player has limited ability, that's when you really have to define their role very carefully, suit to a, suited to a system and put them in a position to just do those things they excel at. And that is not Arsene Wenger. He is not going to, or, you know, he, we've seen him be pragmatic in a few ge- a small stretches of seasons where he's needed points, but in general, his system is not going to. Give a very specific role to limited players and allow them to succeed in that environment, right? I mean, is this just a case that now, as Francis Coughlin's responsibilities have increased in this system, his limitations are all the more evident
2: uh, perfectly put I mean we've gone from a four two three one when he had a creative artisan next to him and basically he was his bouncer and he stayed close he won the ball he did a little turn he flicked it to the main man who did five turns and spread the play out right so, so if it,
1: i want to see santi cazorla i have to show my id to francis Coughlin, and then yeah beg to yeah and he'll, and he'll let jump. you in okay.
2: He'll, he'll let you on. into a nightclub right he's the bouncer right so so within the system that we had he was perfect, and, he, and all of his limits were masked by the person standing next to him, right? So then you put him next to a young kid called Joe Willock, I think Tim makes a good point, and he then says to himself, well I need, I'm need the senior player here, I, I need to do a bit more. And then you actually expose his limits even more because what he was trying to do he's not very good at. And you actually see exactly where his ceiling is, and that's what makes people a bit more concerned. Yes, he's not been fit. He hasn't had any sort of continuity for a while. He's trying to get minutes. He's trying to impress. He's trying too hard. It's difficult being the second string. You get your moment. You've got to take it. The system has developed away from him. Now we have a, we have a register at the base and we have a runner in front with two number tens to left and right. So you look at him you say, well, I can't put him at the base. And if I make him the runner... I don't know where he's going to run to. He might run down the tunnel, right? So I'm thinking, where can I... <laughs> if only. What, what can I What can I do, right? What can I do? So he's working hard. He's trying to work himself out of it. Um, but what I'm looking at, I'm looking at Ainsley Maitland-Niles, for example. I know it's not the right time yet, but you can see somebody who can run with the ball, carry the ball, calm in possession, potentially could be one of the two with multiple people and then develop a partnership, because he's just got more distance to his game. I think Cocklands a very sharp, short sprinting tackler, but you create space for him and he just doesn't know what to do with it. And uh, with other, all most of our other midfielders would either pass through it calmly or run into it. So, um, so we got a problem there. And, and next year, and I know a conversation with a guy online today, Dave. I said potentially next year it wouldn't be right for Cochrane to be blocking you know what should happen is he should be saying to himself i want to play i need to go and play somewhere now I play playing a system where i'm where my, where my attributes are really valued i think sometimes we slaughter players it's not because they're getting bad it's because the team has changed and how we play has changed and how we build up has changed Unless that situation comes back, I think his future is quite limited. There will be times when we're going to need to bottle up games and add a third midfielder, and that's how we're using him. And then you've got to say to yourself in a year or so's time, maybe Maitland-Niles could do that job. You know, be a, aggressive tackler. So yeah, you can see that the, the upgrade is coming, the squad, the squad development is coming, and I think he could. He's a victim of the system, and he's just a victim of. His moment is coming to an end, and, and that's it, really. No, no issue. Just, it's just football.
1: But you do have to laugh at the hilarity that we get to have this conversation with Paul not here to defend him. So there's that, and that's, and that's nice. Um, yeah, I, I, I have a question for both of you. I mean, feel free to answer or not answer. Chime in. Um, I'm just really curious what his goal celebration would look like. Because, <laughs> I mean, at a minimum, it's going to be something hilarious, right? Like, does he just run through the back of the net or something? Like, it's going to be. Yeah, epic. It will
3: probably, um, it will probably go out of play. Um, to be honest, there like, is no uh, like- question, Tim, that when he scores a
1: goal, it will get overturned by the dubious goals panel, and I, I just can't wait for that. Um, so, all right, look, I think overall the, the game doesn't warrant a lot more uh, analysis, and. Uh, we're going to get some statistical analysis of it, um, and and that'll be great because obviously it was riveting and stuff. But what I do want to do is spend the remainder of our time on Manchester City. So, uh, do either of you guys have any objection to moving on to Man City, or do you have Tim any final thoughts on on our Europa League group adventure?
3: No, none at all.
1: Are, are you are you good, Clive, with putting this, uh, putting this into the. Uh, into the warehouse and leaving it there forever
2: consider it done
1: that warehouse you know at the end of raiders of the lost ark like that one you know that one yeah it goes in there moved on on. um okay so here's what we'll do we'll bring scott willis on we'll get just a few data points from the game um related to rob holding and uh the midfield play in general get a little bit of a statistical preview of man city from him and then come back with tim and clive to get actual in-depth uh high-level analysis So Scott is back. Again, you can find Scott on Twitter at O underscore that underscore Crab, and you can find his uh, fine work on uh, crabstats.blogspot.com if you're so inclined, and uh, he has some data you can even uh, interact with and create your own radars and things like that, so I definitely recommend it. Scott, good to talk to you again. Thank you. Thank you. Uh so Real quick, I don't think we want to spend a lot of time on the Red Star game, but uh, when we got on this call before we started recording, the first thing you were eager to tell me is how impressed you were with Rob Holding, and when a game is kind of unimpressive and there's a sense of frustration following it, it can be hard to look at the silver lining, and Rob Holding's a player who maybe hasn't been at his absolute best, but you were impressed with him. Anything you saw uh, in the numbers that particularly stood out to you and why you were so impressed with his performance?
4: Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, the big thing is um, looking at the data in the context of where he was placed. Um, That was a total makeshift um, defense with a right center or a right back that was playing center back, a central midfielder who's not the best defender playing center back, a midfielder playing wing back (laughs) and a winger playing the other wing back. So there's basically a, a one center back defense and Rob Holding really kind of stood out for me. Um, overall, he was dominant in the air, 5 of 6 on aerial duels. Um, he was our top um, tackler at 3 of 4, uh, 6 ball recoveries, 4 clearances, 4 interceptions. So basically, he was all over the pitch defensively. Um, in the, you know, the defense could have been a shambles, um, but he kind of really stood out for me as the only guy that was really putting in a shift.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's nice to see, actually, and nice to hear that because I have to admit there were a few moments where I thought he stood out. Um, I thought he, he carried the ball forward well and, and played some good line-breaking passes uh, in a game that admittedly was pretty low on quality. But he's also a player that I think has been struggling this season and hasn't looked great when he's been uh, put into the team. And so for him to sort of excel, especially as you, you pointed out, in a makeshift back line, I think that's great. Now, before we move on from this game... um. We're not going to focus on Francis Coughlin as much as we might have because your statistics don't necessarily back up my belief that he uh, would be better going to clown school than playing football. Uh, Actually, as you pointed out to me, his game statistically wasn't abysmal, but one thing that I thought was interesting is between him and Joe Willick, uh, the pass completion uh, statistics and the long ball statistics diverge maybe a little bit from what we expect from the first team. So... When it comes to the long balls and pass completion, what did you see uh, from our midfield partners?
4: Um, so overall, it was six of eight. So that's like a half of what Shaka would do. So wait, so um, that's...
1: Com- so Willick and Coughlin combined completed about half the long balls that you'd expect from Shaka
4: in in a game. Exactly, yep. And, um, and do you the think that that... passing was just kind of... Eh, there was no cutting edge. Between them, they had one key pass, and that was from Joe Willick. Um, mm-hmm. I know everybody will remember the the Coughlin um, fast break that totally broke down. <laughs> um, I would have much rather had Ramsey in that situation. Um, it, it was just a whole lot of no cutting edge, and I think that's where you get a lot of the sterile possession from the team.
1: Yeah, and certainly I know we've seen Shaka use those long balls to get the ball quickly to the wing backs, overlapping uh, and create opportunities from wide spaces I mean we saw that that's how uh Kolasinac or Kolasinac set up uh, Ramsey for his second goal uh, at the weekend and there wasn't a lot of that going on so I-, I thought that was interesting I mean also they completed uh what low 80s passing completion percentages for the game
4: Exactly, yeah. Uh, Willick was 81.6 and Coughlin 82.9, so nothing to write home about.
1: Yeah, th- those are percentages that we've kind of been critical of Shaka for uh, as being too low for our central midfield. And so when your central midfield isn't completing per- uh, passes at a particularly high percentage and not giving long balls um, like you're used to, especially when you depend on those for your build up in wide positions, that might explain some of why we struggled to build the play. So that that's great, but obviously not an awe-inspiring game. So let's do this um let's preview what should be an awe-inspiring game uh for better or for worse the one at the weekend high-flying Manchester City um Pep Guardiola's got his team purring and I think a lot of Arsenal fans are pretty nervous about what could happen at the Etihad on Sunday so statistically speaking are we right to be terrified
4: uh Manchester I I I have Manchester City ranked as one of the the better teams in Europe um I've don't have the, the full numbers on where they would rank, but um, they are uh, heads in you know, several steps above the rest of the league. Um, in my team ranking, I have them ranked as 45% better than the league average. Um, wow. Next best is Manchester United, and they are only 29% better than league average. Out of curiosity, so how, how, they, uh, how do
1: you arrive at that calculation? Is it based on XG differential? Or are there a number of statistics that go into it?
4: So there, are, so it's based on the last three years of data to try to um, smooth out things. Um, there's more weighting towards the most recent results, um, and it's based on where shots are taken, the number of big chances, um, and it's so it's a, you get an offensive ranking and a defensive ranking, and then there's a, a combined ranking. Um, so Manchester City rank first in offensive value, they're fifty-three percent better than league average. Wow. They are also first in defensive rank, they are thirty-seven percent better than league average there. Interesting. Um, so so the perception so, that yeah, we can get
1: at them at the back maybe not uh as accurate as we might hope to believe based on those numbers.
4: Yeah, so um Pep has really gotten them um going. You could have seen this in his Bayern Bayern teams too, um, where they are so good at shot suppression. Um, The shots that they give up are going to be pretty good. They've actually been slightly below um, average um, in XG per shot this year, which is still pretty amazing considering their uh, shot suppression numbers. They actually, I believe, are giving up um, among the lowest in all of Europe right now um, in shots per game, which is just absolutely amazing. So just to distill Um,
1: that, what you're saying is the shots they do give up are in better than average positions with better than average chances of scoring, but they are giving up uh, overwhelmingly lower number of those sh- shots than the competition in the Premier League.
4: Exactly. Okay.
1: So, um, and then, yeah, so in other words, we have Arsenal to make our side. we have to make our chances count, and th- I think that's instructive, right, Scott? Because what that tells you is we're going to get few chances, but they are going to be high quality chances when we get them, and so you want people like Lacazette or Alexis on the ball in those positions, as opposed to maybe Uwobi or Danny Welbeck. For you, does that inform the manager's decision? Does he have to put those more clinical finishers on the pitch to take advantage of those limited chances when they come?
4: I, I think that that is the imperative, that we need to have our best players on the field. <laughs> Sounds um,
1: so, <laughs> <laughs> so obvious. Why didn't I think of that? Um, so, so then, I mean, in terms of their attack, is there anything that we should be particularly wary of? I mean, are, are they pressing aggressively? Are they scoring off counterattacks? Where's the threat come from them? Um, basically everywhere. Um,
4: oh, good. They, I mean, as, as you saw, I mean, I don't know if you, anybody watched the, the Napoli game, but uh, Pep, you know, scored, I think, was it two goals from set pieces and then a counterattack? And I, I don't know if anybody's watched them in the Premier League, knows that they can break any team down that tries to sit deep. Um, basically, they are frighteningly good at scoring. Um, and you look at their, their depth. Yes, they played a first-team team. Uh, in the midweek, but their backup is still ridiculously deep and so I'm scared. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: it it sounds worthy of being scared. So in your estimation, I mean, do you see anything from a data standpoint that says this might be how you attack them or this might be where they have been more vulnerable? I mean, in the games where they, I mean, admittedly, there haven't been a lot of games where they haven't looked good, but is there anything that we could look to as a potential silver lining or an area for opportunity?
4: Um, the one thing that I would really point out is that they they play basically a, a one man midfield in Ferdinandinho um, where he can probably be, at, um, you know, as the person to attack because um, they put, you know, De Bruyne and Silva as the other two midfielders, but they are converted tens. So to me, um, that's probably where I would try if I was going to if Arsenal do want to control the midfield, that's where they need to be. Um, Ramsey needs to have one of his Chelsea games, you know, his Chelsea style games, where he really kind of controls his urges to move forward and not leave Jaka all alone. Because if that ball is lost in midfield, they can turn defense to attack so fast that it really could be over quick.
1: Yeah, so counterattacks so, I mean, would me be that, a real to problem. To me, that's
4: yeah. From a statistical standpoint, is, yeah, try to get that, try to get that defense. Um, set quickly and control the transitions.
1: Statistically, has Fernandinho been someone you can target? I mean, is are his passing numbers any lower or his possession statistics any uh, less impressive than anyone else in the Manchester City <laughs> midfielder build-up?
4: Um, no, I mean, basically they are solid up and down, but mm-hmm. just from experience, I mean, especially, you know, he's, you know, what, 29, 30 years old now, I don't have the exact age, and he's he just played on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, he's going to be... So he you'd, might be the one whose the legs are,
1: are a little more vulnerable to being run at.
4: Okay, well, yeah.
1: look, I mean, you've definitely given me no cause for optimism, which is great. Um, but at least I can feel good about the fact that Rob Holding was good against Red Star Belgrade. So all in all, this is uh, mostly depressing. I, I,
4: there, mm-hmm. If you do have one um, thing of optimism, I do have it as a, a 50, uh, 50% chance that there is actually a result in this match I, on my model. Yes, yeah, so, uh, so, so I,
1: real quick, what, what does the model show?
4: Um, So the model shows a 49% chance of a a city win, 21% chance of a draw, and a 29% chance of an Arsenal win. And by the
1: way, I mean, a lot of people would say, well, that doesn't sound so bad. You know, we've got almost 50% chance of getting some result, but actually compared to other games where we'd play other teams in the league, that's a very, very low win percentage or draw percentage for us, correct?
4: It is. So this is probably the the worst I've seen it for Arsenal this season um and in the overall big team matchups this is one of the worst. Um just for comparison, um Manchester City has a better um simulated winning percentage um against us than Tottenham does against Crystal Palace.
1: Oh, fantastic. Great. Well, the good news, everybody, is that maybe Crystal Palace can get a result against Tottenham. So there you go. All right, Scott's on Twitter at O underscore that underscore Crab. You can find him on crabstats.blogspot.com as well. Scott, um, hopefully we will be uh, going deep dive, breaking down how Arsenal uh, beat the odds and did the impossible on Sunday. And uh, I look forward to doing that with you after the City game.
4: Awesome. Yep. Hopefully we have some good stuff to break down instead of a meh kind of game.
1: Yeah, look, I don't know that I'm going to need your help to say seven of their goals came from the counterattack, but we'll see what happens. All right, man. Thanks. We'll talk to you after that one. Thanks, Elliot. All right, bye. Okay, so that gives us all the reason in the world to be terrified of the game we have on Sunday. Uh, Let's see if Tim and Clive can help us uh, maybe keep our food down between now and then but Tim it's interesting right I mean Pep Guardiola's teams have put Arsenal's teams on the rack quite a bit over the past few years but actually we've gotten some decent results against him um they haven't always been enjoyable games to endure but I can think of wins over Bayern Munich I can think of uh a win over that incredible Barcelona team but you look at Manchester City and they really are rolling um as Scott detailed, I mean, they are not only scoring rampantly, but they are allowing the fewest uh, goal-scoring chances in the league. But before we came on, you said you think we'll give them a game. So in your yeah. mind, what is the key to that happening? And and let's just bear in mind again that, like, our away record at the top four, stroke six, but top four, obviously has been a dumpster fire. Um we haven't mm. won in ages. Um,
3: so what, what, what gives you cause for optimism? Um, probably blind faith. No, um, so so it's as good a reason with, as any. <laughs> so the thing is with, with city, I do think, albeit from a very, very, very high level, that they're not quite where they were a couple of weeks ago, um, obviously they're still operating at a, a, a very high level, a higher level than we are. But I I think that they that Stoke game a couple of weeks ago, they won seven two and perhaps the first half an hour against Napoli at home a couple of weeks ago. I was looking at them and it, it reminded me so much of Arsenal at the beginning of the two thousand and two three season where we'd just come off the back of the league win and we were absolutely turning teams over in like we had like four games in a row that were over after half an hour and we were just toying with teams and we had injuries and it didn't matter. Um, and, hey, can we hop know, in we the time just... machine and go back to that time and live there again? Because that would be great. And, and, and it was a bit like sitting out, everyone was going, well, Arsenal are going to walk this again, you know, they've just won the double, they're going to win this by at least 20 points and it's going to be over by March and everything. And uh, and and actually what happened with us is we, we peaked a bit early and then we became a bit complacent I'm not saying that City have become complacent finger out (laughs) (laughs) so I I think this is still not a good time to play them but a better time to play them three weeks ago would have been toast absolute toast but um, I do think City have come down half a step maybe they had a really difficult you know they've had a couple of intense games against Napoli I know they won both of them which speaks to their quality but Napoli are a really, really good team. That would have taken a lot of effort, both physical and psychological, to do that. And I also think if there is a weakness that City have, I accept the point that they've, you know, about the shots um, because they do what Guardiola's Barcelona do, which is they don't need to defend because they don't give you the ball. Um, but actually, they, if there is a chink in their armor, it is that defence. Teams are scoring against them. They're just not able to keep them out uh, at the other end, and that's that's going to. I'm confident that we can go there and score one or two. Whether we can stop them scoring three or four, I'm I'm not sure. I've just got the impression that uh, I do think we'll we'll lose ultimately. Uh, I've gone for two one to City. I do think this will be quite a tight game. I I found Wenger's uh, comments interesting on this, where he said um, sometimes the best way to defend is to attack. Seven one uh, city, I, <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I kind of think he's right. I don't think we've got the team to go there and like stick ten behind the ball. I, I think what he might do is basically play that front three of Özil, um, Alexis, and Lacazette, and almost cut them off from the rest of the team, and say, right, everyone else, stay, hold your yes, shields, stay back. <laughs> wing backs tuck in you know central midfield do what you did at stamford bridge stay put and you know what we'll we'll see if we can get something on the counter and if we can you know ozil is one of the best footballers on the counter attack in the world um it's just at arsenal he doesn't get the chance to show it very often because a lot of teams don't attack us therefore we can't counter attack um if it was against city
1: where he had that incredible little
3: like pirouette turn or that 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 was, was start- chelsea that was chelsea yeah that's right yeah where uh, him and alexis and yeah and that that's exactly the type of goal i've got in mind where basically the rest of the team is cut off and we say to ozil and alexis look you guys try and put a counter attack together city do leave at lately one man in midfield in fernandinho um they have you know they they do push up a bit and lacazette he hasn't had the chance to show Um, how good he is going in behind defences yet because again most teams don't give us that kind of space but I basically I think our front three can hurt them um, whether we whether we can contain them and keep them out I'm not sure but I don't think it's going to be as I I might live to regret saying this I probably will but I don't think it's going to be as one-sided as people think I don't think City will have this all their own way
1: yeah I mean I, I buy that I mean to an extent. I mean, I still think the challenge is what happens when we have the ball and can we keep the ball because if we give them the ball back in bad positions, I mean, we thought Liverpool hurt us. Man City can hurt us worse. Um yeah. and I you know, I think if you look at <clears throat> the performance against Liverpool, there are a million excuses for why it happened, but there aren't a million excuses for why the Spurs game happened at White Hart Lane last season. And that was with a pretty good Arsenal team that was in pretty good form, or at least reasonably. And it was our worst, at least on XG, our worst performance of the entire season. Um, I think we're going to struggle if, they're, if they press us and if they're intense out of possession, if they have the legs, if they have the energy for it. I mean, that's where them having Champions League, an important Champions League game, and us not having one is important. But, Clive, <clears throat> you know, one thing that uh, came up in the stats section is that City don't concede a lot of chances. In fact, they concede among the fewest in the league. But the chances they concede are above average in terms of XG, meaning they're pretty good chances. Is that the argument for why we have to stick with those Alexis, and Lacazette? Because this is never a nil-nil game. And for us to get a result, we are going to have to convert those very few good chances they give us. And our best chance of doing that is with our best attacking players.
2: Yep, yeah, probably. But I've got f I've just got a hunch that he won't stick with those three. I think um You think a Wobie comes just, in for Ozil? Yeah, I think a Wobie comes in for Ozil. or oh, so can I stop on, you for a second? No,
1: I want to stop you just for a second. Okay, fine,
2: go ahead. Well, I, I I think it could be for I think Lacazette could come out. Interesting. I've got yeah. a feeling Lacazette could come out and Alexis goes centre forward. I just think we've got to what does that give us, that though? So, so I get
1: why you would say that, Clive. But just, tactically, like, because I get the energy and the running you get from a Iwobi, but realistically, like, that intensity doesn't happen in an area of the pitch where we're going to be contesting it. They're going to have us parked in our own half for 60% of this match.
2: Well, I think Wenger's very smart, right? Because what no one has done, no one has tried to attack them, really, apart from maybe Napoli. So no one has really gone at them consistently. And we talk about the hub and spoke Arsenal midfield with Granit Xhaka. Well, you know what? They've got a player called Fernandinho that's got two players around him in De Bruyne and David Silva. And they're great players going forward, but but they're not so great running backwards. So you have to get those two running backwards. You have to make Fernandinho work very, very hard. The the way to really focus on City is to focus on their staff Man, and that's Fernandinho. He's the one that makes everyone else tick. We've got to get around him. And I just think that tactic of playing an Iwobi and an Alexis, who are very good pressers, it may be Ozil. You know, and just li- got a feeling. And what have
1: the bracket Fernandinho and, and try to target? Yeah, and him. Just
2: really work hard around that area. You've got to outwork them. You've got to make those two players in De Bruyne and David Silva. Uh, run backwards. Now they are part of a four three three. So if I said to you a couple of years ago that those two players have been playing deep in midfield, you wouldn't believe it, right? So they are the service out to the two wide men and the centre forward. Gabriel Jesus didn't play in the week, so he will play. Why will he play? Because he's very intense presser. So they're gonna try to press Shaka for sure. They're gonna press him. So we need to do the same. We need to press their main man and cut off their service at source, I think if we win the ball there, we are talking about Delf, Otamendi, Stones, and Walker. Then forget the aura and just remember the names. They are not solid. They, this isn't Vincent Company. In not there. to mention the keeper, and, you, by the way. You didn't mention the keeper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, <great> and, so, <laughs> and so and so basically, we we sometimes we build up an aura about football teams, but I, I look at the names and I think about. I think about their actual performance and their track record, their performance under stress. And so if I'm being, I've got to stress that area. I've got to stress the defenders. I've got to stress Fernandinho. I've got to make De Bruyne and David Silva disconnect from Sani Sterling and Gabriel Jesus. And to do that, I've got to be brave. I've got to load that area. I've got to have people that are physical, that can receive it and drive. And I looked at, I had a quick look at the semi-final today. And um, I think we started with Giroud at Wembley. I didn't remember at the time, I was a bit drunk. Right? <laughs> we started with Giroud we at Wembley. But then I watched it again today and Danny Welbeck, I'm not sure if he started him. I'll tell you, i was very drunk. But he definitely came on late and yeah, he did. we stretched him. We stretched them and we got stronger and stronger and stronger. And what we do is we ran them backwards, and that's the key with them. You've got to run them backwards. And once you start to challenge their technical superiority and their mentality, they become human. They become human and they disconnect their position. Their positional shape changes. They're very strong with wide players staying wide. Except we know we know Pep's grid system. So you have to stress them, and the, you have to stress their interior. And so if I'm Wenger, I'm saying, you know what? I need to get around Fernandinho and I need to make him feel uncomfortable because then De Bruyne and Silva will have to react to that. They'll have to fill the holes and then we can disconnect them. If we have them coming towards us as a six, Fernandinho, who's much quicker than Shaka, his role then becomes defined as a covering midfielder, which he's very good at. But if you can make him somebody they have to play through and then we get him, and then we play from there. And we've got some, you know, Alexis is a brilliant presser. Wobbe is decent defensively. I, I, I don't mind. If I, I, I hope Urzel can do it. We know he's a better player. I really hope he can do it. Lacazette, like again, is also very good at recovering from behind players and take, taking the ball off them and, and recycling. So I, it's not as if we haven't got the play. We're not starting with Giroud, that's for sure. And so we're going to be in much better shape. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. As long as they have the game plan to get around... Fernandina for for me then I'll be and I'll be pleased and I'm with Tim I think I heard on Sky today that we've only lost to City once in nine I couldn't believe it but I think that we lost last year that's last nine times we might have lost only once so I think um, we we might have some draws with them at home and away and we beat them in the semi-final but City and Chelsea we do okay against so I'm not. I'm not might fearful. Might be a
1: little bit of a different animal this time around.
2: It might be. It might be. But I think. I think. Th- we, we, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm fan hopeful. Oh, I'm I'm fan hopeful we as well.
1: It. Look, when you said they're going to target Shaka and press him, I shit my pants though. So. You know,
2: well, I would. I mean, Wouldn't you? What would yeah, you do? I'd, I'd press I'd shit in, my I'd pants. Press
1: <laughs> you know, uh, I don't I'd know what I would in. do. I mean, so then, Tim, I mean, look, I think we all know Shaka's going to have to move the ball faster. He's going to have to be cleaner with the ball. He's going to have to deliver accurately. He, he cannot afford to give the ball away. How much responsibility then falls on Ramsey to do exactly what we told him not to be doing this season? He's been better when he's gotten forward. This is a game for Ramsey mm. to sit next to Shaka, isn't it?
3: Yeah yeah and basically do what um what he did against Chelsea where yes. not only did, did he sit but his uh, his technical control was really good he passed the ball really well he dribbled it very well as well um on that day and and that's the thing about Ramsey that's you know I I think he's uh, I've said this many times I think he's got everything I think he's got absolutely everything to be the complete midfielder he just needs to remember that he has everything and not just um, goal threat he has everything he can be a defensive midfielder he can be box to box he can be a number 10 he can play all of those roles he's played all of them at different points of his Arsenal career to excellent levels and um, so I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually uh, I'm, I'm not too worried about that. Particularly in light of what he did against Chelsea, I think Arson Wenger will just say to him exactly the same again, uh, and that will be great. And you know, I, I think he's got the ability to, you know, to take on the likes of David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's, he's a very, very good midfielder, and 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 we should have we should
2: have faith in that. Um, he can he can run them. Would you man Would you
1: man mark De
3: Bruyne? I mean, we don't really do that, but mm, no, I'm not really sure to be honest because the the position the position you know maybe if he was like playing in number ten you can do that, but I think it's really difficult to do when someone moves around quite like De Bruyne does. I think because basically what you do when you man mark someone is you say it's ten against ten, and a, and I think they've just got other players as well. <laughs> frankly, if you man mark him. And um, then David Silva, you know, is just as likely to run the show. He's great. So. He just
1: doesn't. No one scares me like De Bruyne. And the thing that really scares me about De Bruyne is he can play a through ball from 40 yards from goal. You know what I mean? He can yeah. he can split your defense from the kinds of range that Seth Fabregas used to split a defense. And the thing that scares me about that, you guys, is when someone gets 18, 20, 25 yards from our goal, we're pretty good with our defensive intensity off the ball. When they're 35, 40 yards from goal, we tend to give them all the space in the world. We are not as great at closing down players you know, on the edge of our final third. And De Bruyne can kill you from that distance with space. And maybe that would be the argument for playing an Iwobi over an Ozil because we are going to have to pressure them on the ball in our half even when they're 40, 45 yards from goal. Um, otherwise, they, they can pick you apart even from that distance. Now, the thing that worries me is, see, where I, I disagree, Clive, a little bit is just I don't think you can carry the ball out against City, or, or at least I don't think you should be trying. I think if you watch Napoli, it's fast passing, it's playing it first time, it's moving the ball, it's making the ball do the work, essentially. I trust Ozo to come back, receive it, and give it quickly. Neither Shaka nor Ramsey collects and gives the ball you know, first time or as quickly as they could, and that's where you can get caught. I mean, obviously, Shaka does get caught. I think an Awobi for all of his elusiveness and and his energy and his running can get caught on the ball um i mean don't you think that what we're going to need to do is play out first time as quickly as possible and get it get the ball into their half with as little no. fuss as possible
2: no don't be scared mate don't be scared when you're i'm received, terrified can't you hear to my you voice sound, i'm quaking you sound scared why are you scared don't be, why
1: am i scared when, uh,
2: <laughs> because because okay it won't be did received. you see what I, Anf- I, I, what, what
1: happened to us at anfield and
2: they're, well, like, oh, bad compared to the City. <laughs> yeah, but we were a broken squad at the time for whatever right. reason, right? <laughs> so things in the background. Let's just mark that game down, right? You lose 4 nil, you lose one nil, you, you get zero points. That's the way a lot of these foreign players feel. So um, so uh, what I say about the ability to, to carry it, if, you know, Iwobi I would like to see us play 352 I'd like to see us play two fours with with three in the centre. That's what I'd like to see. It probably won't happen. But I'd like to see, the, rather than two wide fours, I'd like to see one be a little bit more central and really make it the three-on-three three and, and threaten them. And why I like Iwobi is the threat of how he receives it and drives. I'm not saying dribble. So what if he's going to now receive it and drive David Silva, I, I, I fancy him against him to, to drive him. Right? So um and so it'll be interesting to see what happens, right? So you you've gotta threaten people. You can't just pass around. You've gotta threaten people. You've got to have the ability to step and freeze and beat your man. And I think he's good at that. I'm not and the end product's not there yet, but I, I think he's good at that. I think he's got a good physical presence and when he receives it he can bosh people off and go again. I think it's important we have that physical confidence. We had it at Chelsea. We we weren't bullied. It's really important that when we have our time on the ball, that we threaten them. We don't kick it up the other end and chase after it and reset and let them get their momentum.
1: Do you think yeah, we, we can keep it. the ball I mean, honestly, like we've seen ourselves against Pep Guardiola sides, and that was with teams that even had better midfields than we have now, and they've had sixty, sixty-five, seventy percent possession against us. We once went to the new camp and had zero shots. Um, and, and 30% possession um, against Guardiola. I mean, do you see this being a game where we can have the ball? I mean, can we pl- – can- two questions. Just, Will we be able to, to have the ball, and is it even in our best interest to have the ball?
2: Well, I I've I read some of those articles about uh, Mourinho's philosophy on football and how you, you create mistakes from other people. We haven't got those players um, to, to do that, to, to play like that. All I'm, all I'm hoping for is when we have the ball – we unsettle them when we have the ball we have the ability to do something with it and and whether we play the the front three or where we don't play away I'm not worried about that because I think our first 11 has has got that ability I actually think the the central area is obviously one area that we need to be in charge of but I actually believe the game will be one at the the wing back area the full back area because that's what City do they run in that gap. They run in between the, the wing back and the, and the centre half. And that's why I feel very strongly that the way our defensive play is, in our back five, we've really got four backs in, in the in the way they defend because only defends like a fullback one-on-one our backs obviously fullback we've got Monreal who's a fullback I think it's going to be incredibly important because our two wide centre-halves will be defending like fullbacks on Sane and Sterling and so you will be up against two out-and-out wingers and one wants to run through the line and one wants to dribble through the line so I think the defenders that we have are going to be important and Perth's job will be okay if the fullback gets beaten I've got to cover that front post and block the cross us and get us get our line organized right so I'm, I'm hopeful I think we've got the type of team that suits playing against them I'm much more worried about Manchester United away a bigger stronger lumpy team that play that, that are far less far less harder to read they have got multiple players they can pick they're very fast in wide airs but are very tall and big I think they're physically more imposing than City City are not big they're not gonna. They're not gonna beat us up. It's gonna be moving the ball. It's gonna be your ability to be agile, to be intense, to keep the ball in tight spaces and challenge them back. No one's challenged them yet, and we need to have the bravery to do that and see what they're made of. And if we get beat, we get beat. But I hope if we get beat, we get beat. Not playing reckless playerish Arsenal football, but having the bravery to play to to be Arsenal and actually play our game and see what happens. And remember, I felt the similar trepidations what you're feeling, Elliot, before the semi-final. And the day before, I reminded myself, you know what? We do well against them, and we do well at Wembley, and we beat them. We beat them running away. Okay, you got a bit of luck with a couple of crossbars. We controlled players. the
1: middle of the pitch, though. I mean, we, we dominated them in midfield, Matic and Conte. And what I think is interesting is that he didn't start Fabregas that day, if I remember correctly.
2: Um, no, you're you're thinking of the I'm cup thinking of, I'm thinking I'm, the semi.
1: Oh, uh, the final, sorry, mate. yeah. The yeah. You're talking about City, City. My bad.
2: Yeah. and it, it, we, do you remember the draw? Remember the draw when all those teams were in the draw? Yeah, yeah, Tottenham, Chelsea. Arsenal. Oh, I'm City, fairly certain thinking, you can go
1: back through my Twitter timeline and see what yeah, I thought. Yeah. Of the draw. And <laughs> we
2: all thinking, well, this is this is going to be bad. Which how which ways are going to go? When we got City, everyone thought we were going to get killed. We we killed them, and when we got Chelsea, we killed them too. Right, so. Those two teams we're okay against. If it would be Tottenham or Manchester United and maybe Liverpool away, obviously we've already been damaged there. I think we struggle with those. But I am am happy against City, and I think we've got a real chance. I really do, so don't be too distressed.
1: All right, so all that's good. Tim, um, how damaging will it be if we take a 7-1 or 8-2?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah obviously obviously that would be quite damaging i'm um, I'm actually quite relaxed about this game to be honest um just like I'm I guess like this season i'm I'm looking at city and to some extent I'm looking at united and just going do you know what this this is a season where I just don't expect us to to compete with those clubs and compete for the league they have more resources than we do and it's taken them a little while but that's finally beginning to tell and you know they have Coach, you know, uh, top coaches and, you know, there's a part of me, uh, the last couple of seasons have been a missed opportunity and I, I don't think this one's going to be this one. If you tell me that, um, you know, City in the second season under Guardiola, when he spent £100 million on fullbacks, um, you know, I kind of look at that and think, well, yeah, we're not going to win the league. Oh, well, you're not even going to challenge for it. And, I, and, and I'm quite sanguine about that and I expect to be in a top, fight for the top four um, with you know maybe Chelsea. I think Chelsea might be on a bit of an island in third, but then again, Spurs, you know, looking very good. So, um, I, you know, I'm quite relaxed about it so long as that doesn't happen and we don't get absolutely thrashed. I'm not, I, I expect us to give them the game. I agree with Clive on what the approach to the game should be. I don't think we should, I think we should try to be ourselves. Um, you know, obviously, with the caveats that. We're nice and responsible in midfield and we try and be as tight as we can, conscientious and concentrated as we can. But um, I don't think we're going we're gonna to get anything if we try and park the bus and be something we're not. I, I agree with Clive. I think we've got to worry them um, when we get the ball. And it might be only 30% of the game that we see it. But when we see it, I, th- I think we've got to do something with it and try and move them about because um, that's what we've got. And, you know, we've got a very good team. It's easy to... I think it's kind of easy to forget because perhaps we don't have a good manager anymore. Um, but we have a really good team with really good players. And what the FA Cup showed us last year is they can rise to these occasions, um, you know, when when they want to and when they, they know they have to concentrate for 90 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I... I that all of that said, I still don't think it's quite going to be enough. I do think City are probably just uh, just gonna have a bit too much. But I, I'm kind of alright with that. So long as so long as we give a decent account of ourselves, I I don't feel a great deal of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um unless unless, you know, it goes like it did at Anfield, in which case, you know, um we'll all be feeling pretty terrible and that would, you know, that would just yeah, that, that would be very damaging. Um but That said, uh, this international break, we've got far fewer players going away afterwards. There's Chile aren't playing in November, Nacho hasn't been um, picked for Spain. And you know, basically, this international round, um, bar the playoffs for the World Cup, is, is all about friendlies and kind of teams are trying things out, or some teams haven't got friendlies. So, you know, we 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 get we can give it all, our all for this game. These players have had eight days off; they can put everything in, and then a lot of them have got a fortnight off. So, um, you know, there's there's no reason for them to go into this game feeling anything other than than quite relaxed with the pressure off.
1: Yeah, I, I think all of that is fair, and, and my reasons for optimism, and yes, believe it or not, I actually have some optimism. Uh, is a few things. First of all, we should be the fresher, the much fresher team. Really, I mean, our our first team is playing once a week. Um, and really, some of them have not even been playing that often, Uh, whereas City are playing twice a week. Um, They're coming off a high-intensity game, as you referenced earlier. The pressure is on them because they're trying to win a title, whereas for us, this is all reward, no risk, right? People expect us to get hammered at these bullies who are running away with the league, um, so the players can just go out and enjoy themselves. I also think that if you're going to hurt City, you're going to hurt them counterattacking, you're going to hurt them getting the ball up the pitch quickly. Um, and and our, the strength of our team is Ozil, Alexis, and Lacazette. Against teams that sit really deep, I think it can be hard for them to find their way into the game and find their way through, and we saw that against Swansea. But against a team that gives you space, those players should be able to absolutely slaughter you with space. And there will be space for them to operate. So the question is, can the other players sit in and be disciplined and be focused for 90 minutes of really being on the rack? Because I, I don't care what you say about having to go with them. I do think we're going to have 35% possession. I do think players like Ramsey and Shaq are going to have to be super focused staying with their man tracking runners pressing the ball intensely even when it's 40 or 45 yards from goal and if they do that and if we stay organized and if we get the ball to Ramsey and Chaka and they give it quickly enough to Ozil and he can find the runners ahead of them there'll be chances there will be chances and while we may not have 9 10 11 shots on goal in the game we may have three or four they may be three or four from one v one situations um and that could be what it takes, because I don't think we keep a clean sheet, but I don't know that we necessarily need to keep a clean sheet. Where I disagree is I don't think we can have the possession in this game. I don't think we can afford to be in their half. I don't think we can afford to have Bellerin and uh, Kolasinac in their half. I don't think we can afford to have Ramsey in their box while is holding the ball 50 yards from goal. I think... We will just get that we, wrong we, once too yeah. one too many times. And what we cannot have is Shaka running back towards his goal facing his goal. We cannot have Murtasackcker on skates thirty yards from goal in space. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster, right, Clive?
2: Yeah, but you, you've got to challenge them. You, you don't beat teams like this by sitting off and, and being scared, right? So, our two wing-backs, right? We just I went to the game last Saturday at Swansea and the man of the match was our left wing-back. Right? And he's going to be someone they've not seen before. And he is... Physical, he can. He's when he goes shoulder to shoulder with Carl Walker, he's going to know something about it. He's going to look at him and think, "Okay, I'm going to run past him, see how I go. I'm going to have to work, but I've got to be wary of him because he's going to hold the touch line. He's going to make me come back. You know, you've got to. You can't just sit off people. You've got to. It's a game of cat and mouse. You've got to go high. you Got to go. You can't do it all at the same time. But you've got to be brave. You really have. You've got to say, "Well, this is how we play. We chalk on boots." That's where I am, and then Shaka can find me. And then Carl Walker's got a decision. Do I leave Stones on his own, or do I, do I come back in? And then suddenly we're not getting overloaded in wide areas, they're not getting crossed across our box. And per started to look great, because all he's doing is stroking the ball around. It's football, right? It's a battle of imposing your game on them. And when you have your moment on the ball, you've got to stress them. You've got to be Arsenal. You've got to do your thing. You've got to create chances fast. You've got to threaten them. And you might not get in the first time, but on the fifth time, suddenly you've got half yards of space to do something. And it's very important we don't play with any fear. If we play with fear, what's going to happen to us is what happened to everybody else that played. And uh, it's very important. I think I think Everton got a draw against them. Is, is that right? Yeah, and and all they had, they had Calvert Lewin. Well, just if that's the case, the wait a minute. We're we're
1: what three goals better than Everton, and they're level. Yeah, with Everton, exactly. So we should be all, three goals better than City. That's how that works, right?
2: Exactly, and they conceded one. I think Rooney scores late, and I think Calvert Lewin just ran them, just ran down the sides, and just got them running backwards. It's not difficult. I think it's it's important you realise that every team's got okay. their weakness, right? And 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 so have City, and um. If any team with Fabian... I, mean, I wish Theo Walcott was in better form. I really do. Well, I mean, we
1: know that perhaps Barcelona hated playing against the, or at least they said that. Well, maybe, yeah. that was, maybe that was a little reverse psychology.
2: <laughs> Two years ago, you know, Theo Walcott was looking at Fabian Dell thinking, I'm going to eat him. He's a left back. Oh, my God, give me the ball. Just play it in behind him. I'll just run him backwards. And But he's not in great form at the moment. So... Yeah. Well, and to be NCC's fair, we, we have
1: better players who can do what he does now. Um, yeah, to, to yeah absolutely.
2: Well, yeah. Just use that as an example. Use no,
1: I, example. I, I get so. you. Look, ultimately, we know where the strength of our team lies. The three best players in our team, I think you'd have to say, are probably Lacazette, Ozil, and Alexis. And they are three players who use space absolutely magnificently. And there will be space. I mean, Everton gave them space, and you saw what they did with it. So... If the players behind them can get the ball to them in in good situations, there should be goals here. I just, you know, I mean, look, Napoli Napoli created opportunities. They moved the ball quickly. They got into the attack in half, and they put Manchester City under a lot of threat. The problem is they left themselves exposed at the other end, and there's there's no team that has the number of options that City has right now, at least not in the Premier League, to to make you pay when you give them chances to run at you. So. I mean, look, fingers crossed that the optimism you guys both have uh, is founded, is well-founded. I would say um, I feel optimistic in a place that I wouldn't share um, because I don't want to expose myself to that that kind of hurt and pain. Um, but we shall see. So in any event, uh, score prediction, Clive?
2: I think it's going to be 2 all. Love it. 2 all uh,
1: Tim, score prediction?
3: I think it will be 2-1 City.
1: I'm going to say 4-3 Arsenal. So there you have it. <laughs> One for the history books, folks. It's going to be epic. It's going it's to be special. Um, in any event, Tim's on Twitter at Stoberto. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure, as always. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive.
2: A Thank you very officer.
1: much. All righty. So big, big game on Sunday. You, you know what? The one thing I think we can all agree on is you going into a game the way I feel right now, Like I almost am approaching this like it'll be like like a curiosity. You know, a lot of big games, especially against the really hated rivals, United, Spurs, Chelsea. I just can't get to that level with City for some reason. And so I don't feel that pit in my stomach like, I just want it to be Monday already. I have a curiosity about this. I'm excited to see how it goes. So, you know, maybe the players will feel that way and they won't freeze up like they have in other big games. In any event, my name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Gunner. Give us a five-star review. Write nasty things about Paul um, or Scott. Your choice. Uh, up the arsenal. Come on. Three big points. Back in the title race. Here we go. Talk to you after.
0: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome
2: to the Planet Premier League podcast.